And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, Eric Kareen. Eric, what's up, man? Did you miss me last week? Um, I mean, a great fellow named James Herbert. It's been way too long since I've been able to talk to him. Uh, but yeah, Blake, I, I mean, I, I always miss you. Was that supposed to be a Tom DeLong? I miss you. Yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta really lean into the not to not to say you don't have a, a whiny voice, but you you really have to <laughs> lean in you. to the whiny voice to do the. Uh, I miss you. Yeah. Where are you? Uh, I'm, I'm glad that that Yammy could come on in my place. Um, oh, some exciting news before we go on to our Raptors podcast today. Uh, for anyone who is interested. And was wondering if there would ever be a payoff to Eric always hinting that he wanted to come on my music podcast, Columbia House Party. Uh, he was on it this week. We talked about the thermals. Uh, so go check that out at Columbia House Party if you want to hear the two of us and my co-host over there, Jake, talk about music instead of the Raptors. Uh, Eric, you did the sociopathic thing of listening back to a podcast you were on. Uh, how did that thermals episode turn out? Oh God! I hate every single one of my contributions to it. It's terrible. Yeah, that's uh... like like the pod was fine, other than me, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I I was the problem. It's uh that's a nice change because usually the feedback we get from our like hardcore people, like the the people who support us on Patreon and, and are in the Discord and stuff, is usually that the guest is way better than us. So okay, well I have no idea. And I don't want to know if my view is is proven to be the consensus. So please don't tell me. But I mean, that's the way it's going to be with literally any podcast I'm on. If I listen to it, I'm like, oh, I'm the problem, uh, which is, you know, zooming out. That's pretty much the problem. That's pretty much how I view all contexts and facets of my life. So, uh, yeah, I, I sucked. You guys were pretty good. <laughs> and uh it's a good album. All right. Uh, speaking of people who suck, but are also pretty good, uh, your Toronto Raptors, who uh, entered the All-Star break two games under 500. Uh, before we get onto that reminder, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six for a discount off an athletic subscription to check out all of our written work. Uh, right now, we have some stuff up. Uh, David Aldridge had a great piece on Megan McPeak and the all-women uh, Raptors broadcast that's coming on March 24th that we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Eric gave out player grades today. I've been covering the Raptors 905 run deep into the playoffs. Uh, the second round of the playoffs takes place tonight, and they last one game uh, because the G League playoffs are one and done insanity. Uh, so uh, you could head over there and take a look at all that. Obviously, uh, the big thing that you're wondering about is that the trade deadline is like two weeks away and change. And yes, we have lots of trade speculation and answering your trade questions and all that kind of stuff uh, already up and more coming. So the athletic.com slash we the six. Check us out there. Eric, quick news roundup. 
here as we come out of the all-star break or, or should I say a non news roundup or news non roundup. Uh, we still do not have clarity on the five Raptors players and multiple coaches who are in the league's health and safety protocols. Uh, the Raptors obviously went without most of their coaching staff the last couple games before the break, had a game postponed, um, had another game postponed that they were able to make up one day later and, and play those last two games against Detroit and Boston uh, with only 11 players uh, available to them at the time of that incident you know it was there was room left open for the possibility that those players could return on Thursday when the Raptors come out of the all-star break uh, but the Raptors have not had a practice yet they've not had media availability or provided an update um, so a lot of that's going to come down to the testing results and how everything went over the break so theoretically the Raptors could be back to a full squad minus Jalen Harris on Thursday, or I guess if the 905 get eliminated, they could have Jalen Harris too. But uh, we won't we won't think that way, Eric. Um, but we don't know yet. We'll probably get that answer Wednesday, I'd imagine. The, the Raptors usually hold the practice the day before uh, they get back from the All Star yeah. break. So we'll see. Often in, often in the evening. Yes. So uh, we'll see. Wednesday night, uh, overlapping with AEW Dynamite coming off of a pay per view. Unbelievable. Uh, the. And I didn't even check if there's a game on WrestleMania. Have they announced WrestleMania? Yeah, it's the 10th and 11th, so they play on one of those nights. Okay, okay. Uh, anyway, sorry. All, all I can think about is wrestling. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, look. Got wrestling brain. As a <laughs> wrestling brain, exactly. Um, look, the top, the top news in each wrestling organization right now is someone from the region the 519 so it's uh <laughs> you know christian debuting for AEW, edge winning the royal rumble it's a great time for the region and uh yeah i guess jamal murray and michael Mulder too michael Mulder making the, the rising stars team as one of five canadians on the world team uh, that's not the news we're going to talk about the other news we have to check off uh, again i mentioned earlier that um, David Aldridge had a great piece up with Megan McPeak on March 24th, the Raptors, uh, for their game against the Nuggets, will have an all women's broadcast, uh, that'll include Megan McPeak, a uh, friend of the podcast, former 905 play-by-play voice, play-by-play for the Capital City Go-Go and the, uh, Washington Mystics. She's great. And, and again, a close friend. So excited for her to get that opportunity in a play-by-play role. Kia Nurse will be beside her on the broadcast. Uh, Kayla Gray operating sideline reporting and then Kate Burness and Amy Otterbear, uh doing the studio analysis. Uh, so really looking forward to that. It's a great um, initiative from the Raptors and all five of those women uh, deserve the larger platform and opportunity. And hopefully this is, you know, I know everyone's familiar with, with Kia from the TSN studio analysis and, and everyone's familiar with Kayla and Kate, but uh, Amy's been tremendous in a color role for the 905 the last couple of years. Um, Megan is one of the best, if not the best play-by-play voice in the G League um, and the WNBA. So uh, really excited for that. Eric, any take on that? Yeah, it's really cool. I, I mean, the goal is to, I mean, there are, there are a number of goals. One, to set more positive role models out there uh, and be for this, you know, like, like all initiatives uh, with this in mind, it's, you know, eventually you don't want to have these initiatives. Eventually you want to uh, have enough women, you know, with big gigs for, you know, NBA teams or whatever sport you're looking at. And obviously there's a a dearth of women in full-time roles, especially, you know, non-sideline roles uh, right now, play-by-play or color. 
Uh, we've seen women like Kara Lawson and, and Stephanie Reddy uh, like break through in, in recent years, uh, but there, there just aren't enough. So I think it's a really uh, cool initiative that's happening. I think John Wiggins, uh, the what's his title again? Sorry. Um, Vice President of Diversity Inclusion. Yeah, I, I think that was one of his first big uh, ideas. That's at least the, the way that David Aldridge's piece made it sound like. And I, I think it's it's awesome. And uh, it, like you said, all these women, yes, they're getting the exposure, but it's not like they haven't earned it in any number of ways. They, they've put in so many hours uh, to where they're getting this, you know, bigger spotlight and congratulations to all of them. And I, I'm sure it's not not the end or, or not the culmination. It, it will just be something that, you know, helps them make bigger steps if they want. And, you know, somebody like Kate Burnass is already a pretty big star in broadcasting in this country. Uh, Kayla, too. So uh, I'm psyched for all of them. Me, too. Uh, okay, now the big order of the day, obviously, the basketball talk uh, between the Toronto basketball team and the Philadelphia basketball team. Uh, I'm talking, of course about Raptors 905 meeting the Delaware Bluecoats, the affiliate of the Philadelphia 76ers in the G League semifinals uh, Tuesday night. So if this is out in time and you're listening, that goes 9.15 p.m. Tuesday night on Sportsnet 1 and NBA TV Canada in Canada. Um, Should be a fun one. The 905 blew out the Bluecoats not that long ago, but Delaware was playing without Isaiah Joe. Uh, The 905 were also playing shorthanded. No Jalen Harris, no Gary Payton, the second in that one. Uh, should be a fun game. Delaware is very good. Paul Reed is probably the G League bubble MVP. You'll remember from draft time, I'm quite fond of Paul Reed. Uh, I was actually fairly fond of Isaiah Joe, too. He's very cool. Uh, so that should be uh, a really fun game. And the winner, I don't, uh, it's a one and done format. So you obviously can't bank on this too much, but sure looks like Jeremy Lin and the Santa Cruz Warriors are going to be on the other side in the finals. Uh, so. The no disrespect to the Lakeland Magic, but uh, is Paul Reed a two way guy yeah. or is he? Yeah, yeah, otherwise he would have been plucked from that bubble long ago. Maury, yeah, my my Twitter battle with Daryl Maury goes on about three point uh shot blocks as he watches Matisse Thibel very slowly catch up to uh, Chris, Boucher. Chris Boucher. Well, this is why Tybalt's got to be part of the Kyle Lowry return. So just the entire Raptors defense is just, well, we're going to collapse and then block every three-point shot between Boucher, Siakam, Ananobie, and Tybalt. Um The winner of 905 and Delaware tonight, by the way, also gets Kyle Lowry. So big stakes beyond just <laughs> uh, the G League finals. Um, so in, is that uh, is that Nico? It is Nico. She she's not a fan of Kyle Lowry being traded. Yeah, who is or anywhere? Who is yeah. other other than our our friends on the 76ers side, uh, Derek Bonner, Rich Hoffman, and then uh, in the Twitter sphere, Andrew Unterberger, who is uh, all in on the Delaware Bluecoats now, and leveraged that conversation into talking about Kyle Lowry to the 76ers with me yesterday. So uh, let's rehash that. Eric, you wrote a column about Kyle Lowry. Uh, potentially being moved and what would have to go into that and where your comfort level with that is. Uh, Derek Bodner did something similar on the 76ers side, if it would make sense. You and I did a written version of Raptors Reasonablist this week where, you know, it wasn't just about Lowry, but Lowry's the most important piece of this. And, and, you know, 
if you were to deal him or not deal him, that says a lot about the direction you're going in. Uh, I'll also have something later this week, by the way. Um, first of all, my all your trade ideas are bad mailbag is coming out Wednesday morning. And there are a lot of Lowry scenarios in there. Uh, also doing and they're all bad. No, that wasn't that bad this year. There was just <laughs> this year. The issue was the volume. There were 92 trades submitted for it. And uh, I think Sanaya would have. That's too many. Yeah, I think Sanaya would have <laughs> killed me if I if I answered all of them so i did make some ridiculous graphics to help uh to help with the the analysis there so you 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 have some lowry stuff coming down the pipe from us uh and that's already up eric we're coming out of the deadline here two weeks from or sorry coming out of the break two weeks from the deadline um you can't log on to twitter these days without hearing some sort of Lowry speculation right before we came on Lowry took to his own Instagram and basically said, if it's not coming from me, don't believe it. Uh, What's your, what's your temperature on the Lowry stuff? And for anyone who hasn't read your column on that, uh, what's your comfort level with this discussion around Lowry potentially being dealt? Uh, Well, what I wrote is, is there, this is a shade of gray thing, right? Like, I, I think he's far too important of a player to just say, well, he to the franchise to just say, even if you do believe he's leaving no matter what, which I don't necessarily, but and obviously the Raptors have some say about that. They if they keep him, they keep his bird rights and they can make a you know, a significant offer to him. Uh but he's too important to what your franchise has meant to just say we need to trade him to get whatever we can back for him. We've gotten all we can out of him as a player. Uh, he He's too important to view that coldly. Um, as I wrote, like, I think back to that, you know, game six against Boston or game three against Boston, which were in many, way, many ways Lowry-driven masterpieces, uh, and let's say he didn't sign that extension before last year and, and the Raptors for some reason traded him, then you don't have memories of those games. And, and like, sure, the Raptors lost that series, but is the franchise poorer for it? Absolutely not. Like, it just adds, like, those games are what being a fan is about in a lot of ways. And who's to say he doesn't have a few more of those left in the tank if it's only for this year? Uh, so there are complicating factors. The most obvious one is they're playing in Tampa in front of fan, either no fans or, or fans who probably won't have strong ties to the Raptors. Uh, but I would err on the side of keeping him. I do think Philly can make a compelling enough offer where you certainly have to consider it strongly. Uh, in my piece, I ran down sort of the eight either championship contenders or teams who will have windows, uh, who it sort of makes sense for them to kick the tires on Lowry and what they can offer. And it's basically Philly. And then, like, if you want to get into it, Miami and Denver can do some, you know, can make some sort of offers, but nothing that would really push me to make that trade right now, unless Denver's including Michael Porter Jr., which they're not. So Also, don't the Raptors uh, have enough problems with... uh... You know, COVID protocols right now without adding an anti-masker, anti-vaxxer? Yes. Uh, I wasn't going to go there, but I was certainly thinking about it. Um, so uh, I think it, it probably comes down to Philly right now. 
you can disagree if you want. Um, there's a way Miami sneaks into that conversation. And I want to be bowled over. And beyond that, a lot of it for me, as you mentioned in, in our sort of back and forth, it comes down to what Kyle Lowry wants. Like you can't talk contract with him. If if somebody, if, if another person sends me, you can't talk contract, but wink, wink, you can. Like, like okay, that's of no use to me. You want to find out what his intentions and his goals are for the rest of your career. You know what options and avenues are open to you. You know that signing Kyle Lowry to a big money contract is probably going to cut into what you can do in free agency. Uh, Not probably, almost certainly, unless you move another piece. So you have some strong, uh, some, some pretty heavy decisions to make there. But I, again, like... This is a guy who I want to see play as many games in a Raptors uniform as possible. Uh, that doesn't mean you ignore and hang up on calls, uh, but that would be the direction I lean with a lot of putting a lot of input into what Kyle Lowry wants. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's understandable. Uh, That leads us to our Twitter question of the day or week, I guess, which is something we're going to try to do a little more often on Raptors Reasonless. Uh, Eric put out a call for questions, and this one flows naturally from the Kyle Lowry discussion. And it's something that we talked about in our written Raptors Reasonless too, but we'll revisit it here. Uh, this comes from Kyle at the Stockhill. Do you trade Powell regardless of what happens with Lowry? I doubt he's likely to be re-signed and the return for him should be good. This is a, I, I think even though Norman Powell is the second longest tenured Raptor after Lowry, you can be a little more, colder in your analysis here he does not have the the cachet to the franchise that Lowry does um like Kyle says Powell has Powell's kind of oscillating trade value and contract value over the years has gone firmly in the direction of well that's a pretty good deal he's on right now and he is probably due for a raise this offseason so the question becomes not only you know do you deal him with the idea of either using him as a chip to get better this year, using him as a chip to get future assets uh, to sell. But you also have to factor in that if you do keep him uh, and you don't want to lose him for nothing, and remember the Raptors wouldn't trade these guys, wouldn't trade the the championship to have got something for these guys, but four of the eight parts of their championship rotation have left with no return coming back. Um, And long-term that's something you have to consider. Uh, but yeah, so you have to think of not only, you know, what a Powell trade brings back, but if you're going to re-sign him at a raise this summer, that's a lot of the cap flexibility you've built. 
And, you know, we have a good idea at this point what a Van Vliet and an OBC Occam Palcor probably looks like. And yeah, your comfort level with paying Norman Powell $18 million a year to, to be a part of that core uh, might vary. So Eric, I guess uh, the question for you uh, that I've stolen from Kyle and rambled on about is, is Norman Powell on the market if you're the Raptors, regardless of what's going on with Kyle Lowry? I think he's on the market, but I, you know, I quibble and I think it is regardless of what's going on with Lowry. Uh, but I... I have a tough time reading the market. I don't know about you, Blake, but like, as we mentioned in our written piece, there are more teams that should be interested in Powell uh, because of his age. Uh, and, you know, he, his bird rights become very valuable to teams that don't necessarily, you know, compete in free agency. Uh there will be a lot of money out there or there should be a lot of money out there to spend uh, from a bunch of different teams this summer. But, you know, bird rights are the easiest way to get a deal um, to give yourself an advantage. And, you know, a player like Powell in his prime, uh, who's, you know, been a contributor on a lot of good teams is, you know, a hell of an offensive player, obviously, when he's going like this, uh, that's really good for you. Uh, or that's really good for a lot of teams. So his... His market should be bigger. I just don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a young piece and a protected first. I don't know if it's, you know, a mid-round first, but nothing else of value. I don't know if you can, like, maybe you can't get a first rounder for him at all. And I, like, I know it depends on what you get back is a lazy answer. But, like, I, I think if you can get a young piece and, like a, like I said, a, a, a protected first. Yeah, wh- probably, when you threw out Malik you, Monk and a first. I dropped everything. I was like, done. Signed. Yeah, well, to be fair, I was feeling pretty lazy when I did that. And I said at the time, Charlotte would not do this. Right. Um, so, uh, but that's like an example of a deal where I would, you know, I, that's something I would probably do. I, I mean, I would do. But there are lesser versions of that. Like if the team's a bit better and the prospect's a bit worse that I look at, you know, longer, and I'm not sure if I do because I do think Norm Powell's a very valuable player, or, or is a pretty valuable player. Maybe not as much as his box score stats, but uh, he's he's obviously a useful piece on a good team. I don't so, I don't think you mean box score stats. I think you mean his points per game because there there aren't many box score stats other than that one. His his, bo- his box score stats. Yeah, and um, I mean he has been ludicrously efficient this year again. Yeah, yeah, again uh, for the second straight year. Uh, so. You know, I, I I lean a bit more toward moving him because I think I see what's coming in terms of his contract and maybe it takes less, it certainly takes less, uh, I need less nudging to make a deal for him than I do for Lowry, but it's not a no-brainer for me. Where do you stand? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably more on the sell high side of things. I just think... You know, obviously those 18 points a game at hyper efficiency are really valuable. Um, but we've seen, you know, they're they're not the Raptors are two games under 500. It's not like that's a a huge swing thing for them uh, right now. Now, I, I do think if you traded Powell, you're going to get worse. Like you're that, that his skill set is a huge need on this team if you take him off of this team. Um, 
But I also think that he's about to get really expensive. And I think given his, the trend he's gone through in his career defensively and um, the kind of, he's had a couple good playmaking games this year, but generally he's kind of just, just the scorer. I would say yeah, his, his assist rate is pretty much the same as last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I just there's no noticeable jump. It's not a player type that I want to invest a ton of money in. Um, now, the fact that he's such an elite three point shooter over a large sample now maybe colors that more than if he was a pure slasher. Uh, but I just think asset management wise, like this is the highest his trade value is going to be, and it's the highest it's been. And a- asset value wise, like he's not going to be as positive an asset next year because you're going to have to pay him more. Um, And I just, I don't know that. Yeah. I just, I I think they might regret not shopping him around and seeing what they can get. Um, You know, some of this hinges on them not being um, buyers. Like if they, if they were to go out and and buy a a Thad Young or Rashawn Holmes or something like that, and you don't need Powell for the salary matching, then no, I'm not getting rid of him because then you're making a move to be, quite good but if you're in the definitely if you're selling Kyle Lowry and it if your mentality is more of a hold mentality uh I think I'm not holding on that particular asset <laughs> is uh sorry no that, so, sorry that, to your hold strategy but I'm different I uh I don't really it makes it makes sense because it's hard to see him getting like that much more efficient with what he's doing right now. And even though he is a, you know, an expiring contract, he doesn't come with cost control like bird rights, as I mentioned, are valuable. So, uh, and that's like, and as you said at the top of the conversation, it's four players who have provided the Raptors a ton on the court, but uh, eventually have left for no return. And at some point you have to, change that you either have to keep them as they have with Siakam, Mananobi and Van Vliet and you know Lowry they they've already given one more year to or you have to uh turn them into some more pieces and, and you know this team uh with Van Vliet, Siakam and Ananobi I believe they're making about as of next year 70 million or so combined you've got to find ways to get contributors who are making less than that. <laughs> like, like useful players who are, you know, making just, you know, just, but seven figure salaries as opposed to eight figure salaries. Yeah. That's, that's just the math you have to do unless you want to be a team that's spent spending into the cap or spending into the tax. And you're basically looking at the same core as you have now, which, you know, Masai Ujiri's been pretty open about it. He wants to build another championship team in Toronto. So, yeah. And and the the other thing I'll say too, just to kind of wrap that up is, you know, if you're in the hold mentality or the run it back mentality, um, if you keep Norman Powell and Kyle Lowry next year, that is your salary cap space. Those are your additions. When you figure in cap holds and and rights and stuff like that, um, you're basically locking in this core plus whoever their first is and the mid-level exception. Uh, Obviously, trades can play a factor. They do have those uh, non-guaranteed deals for Baines, Boucher, Bembry that they can uh, leverage. But, you know, if you you decide to hold, that is – not a decision that only affects this season. So uh, keep that in mind. Obviously, 
you know, the amount we've been wishy-washy on this on this podcast and in, in the written Raptors Reasonless, um, that would highlight how let's just say you, you can go a lot of ways with this, you know? It's yeah. uh it, there's no right answer or wrong. It's answer. complicated. That's why we're wishy-washy. Yes. Like <laughs> it's not like they're an obvious seller or an obvious buyer. There's a world in which like everybody gets healthy and they're a team that, yeah, sure. Like they don't have the upside of Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Philly probably, but they can give each of those teams trouble. And like, I I'm sure they feel that they can give like at least Milwaukee and Philly, like a real, real series, um, whether they're right or not. That's how they feel. And I, I'm not ready to say they're absolutely wrong. Um, so that to just say buy, sell, like it's not that simple. It, it depends on the details. Um, but, you know, you're coming to the time. Uh, I mean, this eight game stretch before the deadline, as, as we mentioned in our in our reasonable uh, online uh, in written form. Like, it's not the hardest stretch, but there are a lot of these teams you're in this, you know, morass of 500-ness with. And if they lose some of those games and all of a sudden you're looking at a first-round series against one of those teams instead of a possible second-round series. And if that, you're maybe you're looking at a play-in. So, uh, yeah. I, I will say, though, the fact that the Raptors over the last eight years have been one of the most annoying teams in the league, but they haven't earned the honor of, like, being an annoying playoff out. Uh, like, yes, that net series, they were they were an annoying out. But the rest of the time, like, every playoff loss they took, they just got steamrolled. Um, you know, it's kind of in the destiny to for them to be uh, an annoying playoff out. It would Well, fit. I think against Boston last year, they oh, kind yeah. of were. Like, even though they were favored yeah. uh, or, you know, they were co-favored. Like, the, the, way that, the way that series went, like, Boston was clearly, to me, the superior team having, you know, one, three, two or three games by blowout, um, two games by blowout. And they, you know, that series could have been over any number of ways and the Raptors just refused to go away. Yeah. Anywho. Yes. Uh, okay. So you mentioned the eight game stretch ahead. Let's look ahead a little bit because uh, we have a staff meeting shortly. Um, the Raptors return on Thursday to play the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the Raptors are currently eighth in the Eastern Conference. They're two games below 500. They have eight games left before the trade deadline. Uh, so a pretty big stretch here. They play Atlanta. Then they'll go on a three-game road trip against Charlotte, Chicago, and Detroit. They'll return, quote-unquote, home to play Utah. And then they've got at Cleveland, at Houston, and Denver. So six of the next eight games against teams you'd think are um, probably beatable. And then the Utah and Denver games are at home. Uh, so you at least don't have to deal with those being really tough places to play. Uh, you know, you won't be, the front office won't be as reductive as, Hey, if they go six and two in this stretch, we'll buy. And if we go three and five, we'll sell, but it's a pretty important stretch that'll inform, uh, I think where they're going from here, Eric, what are you looking at uh, in this next, this, these eight games before the deadline? And then specifically, of course, uh, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, before we next talk to the people, uh, I feel a 0 and three week for Eric Kareem. Not for the Raptors, just for Eric Green. Well, uh, I was going to say the other annoying reason uh, for you being off last week is I did go, I I got all three games I predicted, or 
we predicted that actually happened, right? Yeah, but big um, asterisks though, because you didn't predict uh, the why and the. You certainly didn't predict the Plumley triple double and uh, half the roster. Well, that no, the Detroit, the Detroit game and the Boston games we did not predict. Oh. It was the three games before that, and then the, I also predicted the Chicago game, but that didn't happen. Um, so you got it so, wrong, is what you're saying. Well, I went three zero and one. I guess and no contest. Um, <laughs> yeah. A uh, Perder Jan Aljamain Sterling finish to that one. Um, look, it sort of sucks that I mean it doesn't sort of suck. It totally sucks that the Raptors are in the health situation they're in. That's first and foremost, obviously. Like it, it's kind of ridiculous to try and predict these games. We don't know who's going to be available, and as I've said, you know, since it started uh, against you know the against the Rockets, however long ago that was now. Uh, we just hope that everybody's okay and, you know, if and, you know, whoever's positive recovers fully and as quickly as possible. And hopefully that number of people is, is limited. What I'm looking for is like it's getting to, you know, Josh Donaldson get it done league time, right? You know, it's not the it's not the try hard league. It's the get it done league or whatever he said. Yeah. Um, Are you trying to channel John Hamm in the uh, in the town here? This is the not effing uh, around crew. So stop yeah. effing around. Uh, you know, you have to. See, we have to see the best version of this team right now. It's not highly analytical, but that's what it's going to come down to. And whoever they have available, that's going to need to happen. I don't think I'm getting like, you know, these are the teams. It's Chicago. It's Atlanta. It's Charlotte. Like all those. Te- I mean, Atlanta is just outside that you know, big group of teams, but they're, it's just like one game. So they're not really that far outside of it. Both Atlanta and Washington are threatening to make that seven team group a nine team group. Um, so if the Raptors want to make, you know, create some separation and, you know, make their case for sticking around, it's these games. Uh, I'm sorry if that's not that like, no, again, it's, analytical, it's... but like, that's what it is now. Like they, they lost too many close games earlier in the year for them to have a cushion at this point. Look, analytical at its core, we're just trying to figure out the wins and losses because that's what matters at the end of the day, you know? Um, all right, Eric, before we wrap up here, uh, I said we're only going to do one Twitter question of the day, but we have another one. I, I guess you want me to predict the game. Oh, yeah, I'll yeah, go. go yeah, win, Wrong. win, loss. Yeah, so win, win, loss. You're sure. saying they'll go loss, loss, win. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying you're going to be wrong. I'm not predicting <laughs> yeah. the games. Uh, but yes, that, that Sunday game on a back-to-back against the big bad booty Thaddy, Thad Young, is... Uh, maybe he'll be a Raptor by then. Maybe. Or, or maybe he'll just leave with them after. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one more question. Um, normally, we'll only do one, but this is a good one that I want to end on. This comes from Gilbert Lee at Gilbert K. Lee. Can you guys shout out some of your favorite female Raptors pods and podcasters? Um, so first of all, that starts with Dishes and Dimes. Obviously, uh, that entire group is doing excellent work over there, doing things like having Stanley Johnson on it and having really engaging um, clubhouse sessions and um, pre-game breakdowns and the weekly pod there is tremendous. Uh, so check them out. Um, I'd also say check out Raptors Queens. And then if you're looking for outside uh, of the Raptors, Haley O'Shaughnessy just started uh, a podcast called Spinsters uh, with Jordan Liggins. So check that out as well. Uh, really looking forward to what they're going to be doing there. Um, I mean, the Dishes and Dimes people, you could also shout out individually because they are all over other podcasts. Um, Katie Heindel and Kelsey O'Brien specifically. Kelsey doing a great job uh, covering 905 
and then uh, Nora, Sandy, Yaman, and the rest of, um, I'm leaving out some of the Dishes and Dimes people because I'm going out, Yasmin, um, Sidra, they're, they're all doing a great job at, at Dishes and Dimes. And then uh, if you're a baseball fan, our colleague Caitlin McGrath is doing a Blue Jays podcast with uh, our pal Drew Fairservice. So uh, check that one out. Spin rate. Spin rate. That's what it's called. I was scrolling her Twitter timeline trying to find it. Yeah, uh, I, I could feel you spiritually. Like we don't even have a camera on, folks. That's just called chemistry and intuition. When you've had this uh, sort of this teamwork, this this bond for so long as Blake and I have. Sure. Uh, okay. So we'll end that one. Um, all right, we got to go. Uh, realize it's a shorter episode today, but we're coming out of the All Star break. We don't have answers to the big questions that you want, like uh, who is going to play on Thursday, and we'll... or what does life mean? Yes. Um, but the next two weeks should be very spicy. Uh, eight important games. The trade deadline on March twenty fifth. Uh, so you know, check us back here. We'll be back Monday after uh, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago. We'll be on top of anything, of course, deadline related, and then all our writing uh, over at theathletic.com. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six for a discounted subscription. Thanks everyone for listening. Eric, thank you, man. Thanks, Blake. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.